Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, praise the Lord. We have been in a uh, series for the last several weeks and last couple months, actually, and we're, we're beginning to wind it down, but uh, it's a series we call Dudes with Tudes, and it's really just a closer look at some individuals in the Bible, a lot of them relatively unknown uh, in the Word of God, and just the attitude that they portrayed, and, and then either saying, well, that was a good attitude or a bad attitude, and we should either mimic it or avoid it, right? Um, this week's Dude with a Tude is, a, again, a relatively unknown man in the Bible named Demas. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you know who Demas is? Some of you may not. Well, there's an old saying that most men and women are buried with their dreams still in them. In other words, most people, for whatever reason, never accomplish what they dreamed of accomplishing. I believe that God dreams dreams for every one of us. I just want you to know that as your pastor. I, I, it's like one of my core things. I believe God dreams dreams for you that he created you with and for a specific purpose. And while he knows whether we will achieve them or not in our lifetime, he knows before we even live our lifetime if we're gonna achieve them or not, he still gives us the free will to make the right, the right decisions that will lead us to the fulfillment of those dreams. And I, how can a God know what we will do and still give us a choice to do it or not? And how, how does that work? I, I don't know but I, I, I'm not God. I believe that God creates each one of us, not just, again, with a purpose, but for a specific purpose. I think he, he put just the right ingredients in each and every single one of us to accomplish everything that he has dreamed for you to accomplish. And I believe that when we make choices that steer us away from accomplishing those dreams, that God has the dreams that God has dreamed for us, I, I believe two things uh, happen. God sees the potential that's lost, and we feel unfulfilled and don't understand why. And I, I, uh, I can't imagine how God feels as our eternal creator who loves us with an everlasting love, who has the very hairs in your head numbered. He knows everything about you, everything you say, everything you do, he knows everything that you have, every bit of talent, every bit of potential. He created with you that, or created you with that, and he, and he's, he's, he was so intentional about it. I, I have a hard time believing that when we live our lives and we don't do things that help us reach that potential, that it doesn't sadden his heart. Because he can see the potential in us. Demas was a man that had an attitude that steered him away from all that God dreamed for him. Presumably, he is a man that was buried with those God dreams still in him, laid to rest, not reaching his full potential. And I wonder, again, how many millions or billions of people that God has created throughout the ages, people that were created with those specific purposes, but then made choices that led them away from those fulfilled, or from fulfilling those purposes. I wonder if how and, and, and how much, and if it hurts God, and I, I think it does, but how it hurts him, how it hurt, hurts his heart, that lost potential once again. The Apostle Paul mentions Demas in, in three different places in his writings within the New Testament. 
We don't know a lot about this dude with the toot except that he appears to have been part of Paul's ministry and a helper to Paul. We don't know a lot about him except that he, he has appeared those three times. Paul mentions him in his final greetings within the letter he wrote to Philemon about, or Philemon about 30 years after Jesus died on the cross. Philemon 1, 23 through 24, we see him mentioned. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. So the only thing we know from this is that Demas was one of Paul's co-workers and that he wanted to make sure that Paul greeted Philemon on his behalf. Then Paul mentions him again in a similar way in another letter written that same year. Both these letters were written while he was in prison in Rome, while Paul was in prison. In this letter, Colossians 4.14, Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings and so does Demas. Again, this is proof that Demas was a fellow laborer with Christ. And it's, it's not wrong to assume that he was aware of Paul's letters to different churches. Of course he was. Again, again, Paul says, Demas sends his greetings. This could even give evidence that Demas knew at least some of the believers in these churches. It seems unrealistic for him to want to say hi if he had no relationship with them. It could even mean that he had a hand in establishment, in the establishment of these churches. Working with Paul, we knew he was a co-laborer with Paul, building the kingdom with him. And you know, sometimes we read over these verses and we think, there's a name, I don't don't know what that name is, but I'm just gonna read over it because that name doesn't really matter. Every name in the Bible matters. And it's interesting when you just start thinking about it, meditating on it, thinking about, okay, who was this guy really? And you look for other references, what comes together? So far, two references, we know he's a co-worker. That's about it. But then Paul writes to Timothy, five years later. 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 10. He says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Verse 10, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. It seems that Paul needed help in ministering the gospel. He had help, but he now was shorthanded. Paul gives reasons why he was shorthanded. Demas, our dude with a tood, is said to have loved the things of this world. Other versions say because he loved the world. He has gone to Thessalonica. He mentions Crescens and Titus, but doesn't give reasons why they went to other cities. It could have been that these churches and those places just needed him in ministry. We don't know. It doesn't say one way or another about those guys, but it does say specifically about Demas that he went to Thessalonica because he loved the world. He loved the things of this world, and he deserted Paul. 1 John 2, 15 through 16 says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. That is a in-your-face verse if I've ever heard one in my life. Do not love the world or the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. When you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. When you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Verse 16 goes on. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures or pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from the world. Demas 
a fellow worker with Paul 30 years after Jesus died, and then five years later, he abandons Paul and the kingdom work that he was doing because he loved the world. And it doesn't say that Demas abandoned Christ altogether, although his love for the world could and probably did lead him away from Christ. And I'm not here to say that whether Demas is in hell or in heaven, that's between Demas and God. It's just that it's easy to see Demas as a biblical example of wasted potential. What does it mean to love the world? When the Bible talks about loving the world, it's referring to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Having over-desires for the things that appeal to our flesh and to our eyes, so much that those desires begin to control us. It's also, it also would, would include the pride of life, striving and working for material gain and achievements. And it's a very convicting thing, church, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the areas in your life that you would fall under loving the world. Many of us understand our own struggles, generally speaking, but when you allow the Spirit to speak and you truly have a heart that wants to hear, he will show you things you never thought about as falling under the category of loving the world. Our addictions, and I'm not trying to hammer anybody today. There's redemption this morning, and we're gonna talk about that too. But our addictions, whether big or small, from hardcore drugs to sex, from gambling to food addictions, Having an over-desire for any of these is loving the world. Being power-hungry or even being overly motivated by the recognition of others, that's loving the things of this world. Being a workaholic can be an addiction, and that's loving the world, or it can be motivated by the desire to have more stuff, more things, bigger houses, more expensive toys. That's loving the world. And I could go on and on listing things and never get to the end of that list. I don't, I don't need to do that this morning. Most of us in here know what it means to, to store treasures for yourself here on earth where the moth eats and rust destroys, right? Everything we gain here in this life, material wealth, power, recognition, all of it is temporary. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And yet if you really take a good look at what you spend your money on, if you really take a good look and how you spend your time. If your 24 hours was in your wallet and you could pull them out and you could spend them on different things and you track that like we track money in a budget and earn expenses, how would your time look? How much time would you spend working for the things of this world, striving to get ahead? And how much time would be devoted to kingdom work? Well, you guys gotta make a living. I, I, I get that, I'm not... I'm not downplaying that hard work isn't good. It is. But every once in a while, it's good to check our hearts. And as I was reading about Demas, just in those three verses, he's a worker with, with Paul. He's, a, he's all in for the cause of Christ. Five years later, he's gone and he's deserted him because the things of the world got in and took over. Folks, I, I just think it's so easy for that to happen to any one of us if we don't stay focused. It is such a simple thing for that to take place. It just happens without us even knowing about it. The devil is sneaky. Did you know that? 
He's so sneaky. He just gets in a little crack there and he just, like, like have you ever seen water in a rock and then it freezes? It begins to break the rock apart. It's kind of like that. It seems completely uh, harmless at first, but it destroys the entire rock. And it can destroy our entire life when we let the devil in just a little bit. Demas was apparently lured away because of his poor attitude toward the things of this world. They were so enticing. And again, I'm not here to throw Demas under the bus because I, I know that in my own life, I've missed plenty of divine appointments because of being distracted by the things of this world. We all have, even if it was just momentarily distracted. We often think of the deserter in the Bible as Judas because he deserted and, and betrayed Jesus. I've read biblical commentaries this week that describe Demas as the Apostle Paul's Judas. He deserted Paul. He left him when he needed him most. And it, it didn't take very long as I was thinking about that to realize that I too have had times that I've deserted the cause of Christ because I was enticed by something this world had to offer. And in that moment of enticement, I took the bait. Anybody, anybody ever done that before? I mean, come on, let's just be honest today. Let's be transparent. We've all done that. I'm guilty of temporarily deserting the cause of Christ because I, I was distracted by the shiny lure. And if I were honest, I, I think... If we were honest, if we all were honest, I think we've all been there. We've all had the Demas attitude. But here's the difference between Demas and many of us here today. Demas was never mentioned again in Scripture. But our story isn't finished yet. There are no writings telling of a change in Demas's heart at any time before he died. His story seems, at least biblically speaking, to be a story that of, of he's, he's all in for the cause of Christ, but something of this world, something that held his affections even more than the cause of Christ, never let go of him, and he missed out on fulfilling his God-given potential. There are a few things more tragic than unfulfilled potential. One of my favorite authors is Bob Goff, and he, he's, he's a, here's a great quote from him this morning. He says this, I used to be afraid of failing at something that really mattered to me, but now I'm more afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. We spend our whole lives working for things that don't matter on the other side of eternity. The one thing that does matter is the cause of Christ, winning souls. We just sang that song, Jesus for my family, I speak his holy name, right? How much do we pour into our kids? Jesus. Oh, we encourage them about a lot of other things. Get that education, get those grades up. Not saying that's not important. Oh, you gotta get a good career. You gotta do good at your sports so you can get a scholarship so you can go to college, right? Tell our kids lots of things. Maybe we tell them that so they'll take care of us, they'll have the money to take care of us when we're old. I don't know. I don't care if my kids pump gas as long as they love Jesus. If that's what they want to do, I don't think that that's the limit of their potential. 
but I just want them to love Jesus with everything they got. We make things important that aren't important, and the things that are really important, we kick to the side, and we all do it. The one thing that does matter is the cause of Christ, winning souls, souls that we can spend eternity in heaven with, and you're not going to need to take your stuff. Do you think in heaven we're going to sit around and talk about our, our, the, our stats? Man, I'm a, I'm a, I was a good basketball player. I, I, I got, I got you know, six three-pointers in one game. I'm, a, I'm an amazing wrestler, man. I won state. All great accomplishments, not taking away anything that. That's wonderful. That's awesome. But if that's the whole priority, and that's what we push on our kids, or that's what we're all about, there's something wrong there. Are we loving the world a little bit more than we ought to be? The systems of this world, the things of this world? And again, I, I, I don't like to... Th these things are hard to talk about because you have to, you have to consider the word balance. There's balance in everything, right? God gave us some of these things to enjoy and love, but you got to enjoy and love them in balance and know what's important and what's not important. Maybe you've demist up your potential in the past. You've demist it up, messed it up. That's not a word, but I just made it a word. But the good news is, is that you don't have to keep missing it. You don't have to let your past failures and being lured away from the things, by the things of this world. We don't need to lead. Let that be our final chapter. We can change and we can get busy about the Father's work, fulfilling the purposes and plans that he created us for. And, and, and make no mistake, there, there is nothing more fulfilling in life than knowing that you are smack dab in the middle of where God wants you to be. You want to talk about fulfillment? Get in his will and stay there. There's no high that's higher than getting to pray with someone and lead them to a relationship with Jesus. Those of you who have done that, you know that that's true. There's no better feeling than to be used by God to give a word of encouragement right when it's needed. There's nothing like being used in a way that becomes miraculous for another person, and that person doesn't even see you. They just see Jesus in you. The things of this world will fade, but that which we do that is eternal will last forever. That's, that's what the word eternal means. The lures of this world can really turn on the charm and entice you to fall in love with it. But nothing it has to offer holds a candle to fulfilling the potential and callings that he's created you for. I, I, I just want you to understand this. God created you with unbelievable, unimaginable potential to do amazing things in his name. Have you reached all of that potential? I can't prove this, but maybe Demas was lured away and then had second thoughts. 
Maybe he had moments where he had remembered what it was like to be used of God and thought after he deserted Christ and he'd gone down the road where, or deserted Paul and the cause of Christ, he'd gone down the wrong road and there was just no way back. I've met many people like that in the church. I'm too far gone. I missed what God wanted me to do, so I just have to live with that. Nope, not true. That's just another lie. The mercy and grace of God is so unbelievable that even though you may have spent years loving the world, he can make your path straight and lead you to live out his perfect will for your life. And it's as simple as taking the next right step. I don't care how far you run away from God. You know, sometimes we view it as a road. I'm on this road, I'm on this journey, I'm on this path, and I took a fork in the road and I was supposed to go straight. And now I have to go all the way back here so I can get right and then go this way. You know what God does? He, he is so unbelievable that that fork you took that was so wrong when you took it, it becomes his perfect will for your life when you make the next right decision. It's unbelievable. I don't understand how God can do that. But he does. And then he'll go even further and use the wrongness of that road to begin with to minister to others. And he turns, he exchanges beauty for the ashes that you experienced when you took that wrong road. I propose that the worst thing that Demas did is not that he loved the world, but that he never came back to his first love. I'm sorry, but we've all fallen into loving the world. I don't, I don't even want to get on Demas' case about that because I can look in the mirror and say the same thing has happened to me. Different times, different moments, different seasons even in my life. And it's happened so much that I've missed divine appointments, like I said, but abandoning the cause of Christ for a season is one thing, but for a lifetime and never coming back, so many people say, I can never come back, I blew it doesn't have to be your story. We can come back to our first love. I, th I think you know, if we had been with Apostle Paul, he, he maybe even would have called us out like he called out Demas. Where are you now? What are you doing? I need you. What are you doing? Well, I have, I have kids now. I, 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 my job is just too demanding. And he's like, come on, let's, don't abandon me. We, we got to get this done. But instead of making excuses of why you did and how it's just too hard to come back and how you missed it and God has better people than you to carry out his will, why don't you stop with the demistude and make the decision that you're not going to quit? Come back to that first love. In the, in the beginning of the book of Revelation, um, there are uh, seven kinds of churches that are mentioned. Really, they're groups of Christians that are given specific messages in regard to their behavior and how they've conducted themselves. And this is the message that was given to the church at Ephesus, Revelations 2, 1 through 5, to the, church, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? These things says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of seven golden lampstands, it's Jesus. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You have preserved and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have one thing against you, that you have left your first love. 
Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And I know this morning that I'm speaking to a good group of people, good Christians with good intentions. I know that none of us here are perfect. I get that. We make mistakes and we miss the mark from time to time, but I'm calling you back today. I'm calling us all back, back to our first love, to be so in love with Christ and, and, and that the things of this world, they, they'll just grow strangely dim, dim and dingy and undesirable. So in love with Jesus that the lures, the shiny lures that are placed in front of us that this world has to offer, they just don't have their enticement. And that's the key to holy living, by the way. Not imposed rules and regulations, but an ever-deepening love, an ever-growing intimacy with Christ. It doesn't matter what you've done. What are you going to do? We can surrender to our own failures and take on the Demas attitude, or we can rise above. It's interesting to remember that the one Demas abandoned in the work of Christ, Paul, you know, was formerly Saul, the one who would literally hunt down early believers in Christ, drag them out of their homes, beat them, and on occasion kill them. That's Saul who, once he found the Lord, became Paul, and he wrote over half the New Testament and became, you know, the apostle of apostles, right? What if he would have had the Demas attitude? Well, I can't do anything for Jesus. I've killed Christians. I used to beat them openly and persecute them. He didn't let his past become his future sentence. And you don't have to either. Return to your first love. Fall in love with him over and over and over and over again. Paul said, and we read this verse already, but he said in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 10, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this world and has gone to Thessalonica. Do you know what Paul said in his letter just before this? Chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. We just read chapter 4, seven through 10, or 9 through 10. Right before this verse, he says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. It's as if Paul was saying, hey, Timothy, my faithful spiritual son. I fought this fight of faith and remained true to the cause of Christ. I've hung in there through persecution and pain. My love for Christ is still intact, and now I need you to help me. Demas has fallen in love with the world and doesn't seem to be coming back to the cause of Christ. You are my faithful son. I know I can count on you to carry on this work. It's not been easy for me, Timothy, but, but I have not fallen prey to the lures and enticements of this world. I have the crown of righteousness to look forward to, and so does everyone else who keeps their eye on the prize and looks forward to the second coming. That's what is said in these verses. I could have been like Demas. I think Paul says, it's, it, he didn't say that, but it's in there. I could have been like Demas. I could have walked away from the faith, but I didn't. I fought the good fight of faith. Does that mean Paul was sinless? No. 
I think Paul screwed up as much as anybody. But he always came back to that first love. You see, that's what's so wonderful for us today, right? This is all happening on this side of the cross. We live under the same rules as they did, and we fall. We're enticed by the world often, and we can walk away from the cause of Christ, maybe not losing our salvation. Maybe we can just kind of exist, go to church every Sunday, do our thing, be good people, do little bits and parts. But I'm telling you, is that wasted potential when God created you for so much more than just existence? Yeah, heaven's great. You can go there. That's wonderful. But you know what's going to even be more wonderful? Taking a bunch of people with us. That's what counts. That's what matters. That's where we hang our hat and say, you know, we got a mission. It's not just for the pastors to do. It's not just so we can throw money at missionaries who decide they're going to do it. Every single person in this church needs to get it through their head that they are missionaries wherever they're at. You are either a mission field or you are a missionary. Church, it's time. And I know many of you share your faith and you're loud about it. And I, I don't want to come down on anybody this morning. I'm not really, don't feel like I'm coming down on you. I just want to challenge you to not fall in love with the things of this world, not let them entice you, not pull you away slowly until you lost your first love and you're doing nothing for the cause of Christ. We could get into a debate about, well, if you lost your first love, you're not saved no more, or maybe you are, maybe you are, and everybody could get into a big debate about that. I'm not even talking about that. What's it matter? I mean, it obviously matters. But why even go there? Let's just not fall away to begin with from our first love. Work has a way of stealing our time. Drama has a way of stealing our time. Television, movies, social media, extracurricular activities, none of those evil in and of themselves probably. But are we about the cause of Christ or aren't we? Have we fallen in love with the world or are we most in love with Jesus? You know what I know? And maybe one of the, one of the series that, that I've done in the past here that probably changed my life more than anything else was a series that we did on heaven that personally changed my, my life. Because I began to realize that, that heaven was so much more than just a, a place to kind of, you know, I never thought that you float around and play harp, but, you know, more than a place to just rest. I, I used to think, you know, what do you do in heaven? And the word that, that in that series that just really throttled me, I guess you could say, was adventure. See, there's a time coming when we're all going to be together in heaven, and there's going to be plenty of adventurous things to do and be a part of, things to create, things to make, things to do for eternity. We're going to have all the time in the world. In fact, there, it's beyond time. It's forever. We'll, we'll have that. And I think our hearts long for some of those things now, and so we go after them with everything we got. And, and it's, you know what? It's just not the most important thing. Making the main thing the main thing is the most important thing. Are you hearing me this morning? Three verses about a man named Demas that we know very little about. 
but yet he speaks so much to us today. No matter where you're at in, in, in this scenario, maybe you're just on fire in your first love, it's just burning bright, you know, that's great, awesome. This message maybe wasn't for you today, but if you're someone who's, yeah, I've, I've, I've let the world entice me, I've walked away some, I've drifted, I've drifted away from my first love, and I started loving the world a little bit too much, the things of this world have lured me, and I don't want to end up like Demas and let, be, let my final chapter be desertion. If that's you this morning, I, you got a path back. Like I said, it's one step. Lord, let me take the next right step into your will. And you're right back there because God's grace and mercy is so unbelievable. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you've created us with purpose for purpose. That your desire for us is to fulfill all those purposes and, and reach the potential that you created us with. God, I don't know what that means for each individual here. Lord, I, I know in my heart that that you created us more. Many of us, you've created us more than what we've become. We've left potential on the table and been lured away. Maybe fear, maybe doubt. Maybe we just didn't think we could. Father God, I pray you would resurrect that faith within us that we can be your warriors once again, people that have the cause of Christ at the forefront of everything they say and do. A people, God, that is not lured away, not led astray, not pulled in wrong directions, but just laser-focused on what you'd have us do. God, I thank you for all the good things that we can enjoy in this world. You made those for us. I, I know that that's true. But God, never let our balance get off to where we put those things above why we're really here. We don't want to be like Demas. Number one, we don't want to love the world like that. And number two, we don't want to not come back when we can. Lord, we commit to you today to be your hands and feet, to be committed to your works, to be committed to your purposes and plans. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.